0: Dr. Tim Jordan back here with another episode of Raising Daughters, and if you're the kind of parent who wants to be and remain an influence in your daughter's life now, through the teen years and beyond, you are in the right place. I do these podcasts mostly weekly, occasionally I'll I'll miss a week because I'm at camp or something. Um, I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician, and so I've been working with girls for over 30 years in a counseling practice, in my weekend retreats my summer camps, my school program. I travel a lot, I give talks. My wife and I have done a lot of father-daughter and mother-daughter weekend retreats, family retreats all over the world. So I have a chance to work with girls in a lot of different ways. But today I wanted to talk about something a little bit different. I've got a couple of stories for you, um, about three or four stories, and a couple of them actually are stories about me. And I wanted to talk about the effect that adults can have on kids. I want to talk about kind heroes, if you will. Let me give you my first story to give you an example. When I was about uh, 10 or 11 years of age, I used to collect soda bottles, empty ones. And I would take them to this little market that was near our house. And I think I got like two cents for each one. So I would collect them, go in there, and once they had enough of them, they would hire me to take these cases of empty soda bottles down to the basement of their store. Then they would pay me, and I might even get a free soda. It was a a good deal. One day, I I had done that, and I was standing in the store. I had just come back upstairs from delivering the empty bottles. And who was in the store but Stan Museo? For those of you who don't know, Stan Musil is undoubtedly one of the top two or three baseball players of all time. Not just one of the top Cardinals of all time, one of the top players of all time. And he lived, I think, somewhere within the vicinity of where I lived. And there he was in the store and the the guys behind the counter knew him. They were talking with him. I must have stood there probably with my mouth open. and I didn't have the courage to ask him for an autograph or anything, so I left the store, and I was standing outside a minute later, and he walked out with his, with his uh, it was like a meat mark. he walked out with his packages of meat, and he stopped, and he said, hey. And I said, well, hi, he said, what were you doing there? And I told him about the bottles, he said, that's awesome that you're doing something to make money. And he sat there for a few moments and just talked to me, like I was important, it was amazing. And then I finally got up the courage to say, can I please have your autograph, sir? And he said, of course. And he fumbled around. He had no pencil, no pen, no paper. So he, he went back inside and he grabbed a, a pencil uh, from the shop owners. He came back out and all he had for paper was a wrapping paper for his meat. So he ripped off a piece of, of that white wrapping paper. He signed his name. And he gave it to me. And I, I could not thank him enough. And then he, he got in his car and he drove off. I still have that autograph, as you'll see from the picture. I just took a picture of the autograph today to put here on on, on this podcast, if you look in the show notes. How nice of him, not just to sign an autograph, but to stop without me even asking and to talk to a little kid who didn't have the courage to ask for an autograph. I thought he was one of my heroes, not because he was a great ball player. That was part of it, but mostly because he was so kind in a way that when he didn't have to. I think that's important. There's another true story about a very famous ice hockey player, probably the greatest uh, uh, defenseman hockey player of all time. His name is Bobby Orr. He played for the Boston Bruins. There's a true story a man named David Kelly talks about. He said, I remember going to uh, uh, Bobby Orr's hockey camp when he was about 11 years of age. And so he got to not only meet Bobby Orr, but skate with him, they would do drills together. Bobby Orr would skate around, tap him on his shin pads, and he, he had a great uh, week of hockey camp. And on the last day, he promised Bobby Orr that he would come to the Boston Garden to see him play sometime, and Bobby Orr said, I hope you do that. You do that. So the next season came around, and so this, this guy, David Kelly, this 11-year-old, he was standing in the runway hours before the game because he wanted to see Bobby Orr. And there were hundreds of kids doing the very same thing and they were pushing and shoving, and they pushed him back some, so he wasn't in the front row. And then all of a sudden, the, the Bruins started to come down. And Bobby Orr—he was the captain. He was last. When he came down the tunnel, tunnel, he had his, he had a serious game face on, and he looked like he was totally you know just in 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 sync with the game. And this kid was kind of disappointed. And just before he got onto the ice, Bobby Orr. His glove reached out and grabbed this boy's hand, and he squeezed it before stepping onto the ice. And David Kelly said, that squeeze meant so much to me, because it, it meant I remember you from camp, and it's great to see you again. And what it mostly said about Bobby Orr was this. He was the greatest hockey player in the world, and he touched me once again with his kindness. He said, taught me it is not what you say in life, it's not what you do, but rather how you are, how you act. And this David Kelly decided that day that he wanted to grow up and be just like Bobby Orr, and he hopes his children do the very same thing. It wasn't the goals, it wasn't the fancy play on the ice that made Bobby Orr his hero. It was the fact that he showed an act of kindness, an act of caring. When I was a little kid, starting in about, I think, third grade, I started collecting Peanuts books, the, the, the comic strip. I loved, always have loved the Peanuts comic strip. My favorite character is Sally, always has been, because she's so spunky. And I always said if I had a daughter, I would uh, name her Sally. And my wife, uh, when our daughter Kelly was born, won out on the first one. When we were pregnant with the third child, we said if it's a, if it's a girl, we're going to name her Sally. And, and I, I put my foot down, and then our son John came out. <laughs> so I did not get a Sally daughter. But all through the years, I, I bought books. And I've got, I think, 80 or 90 of those little paperbacks that they used to sell a long time ago. I've read several biographies of Charles Schultz. And I've got other kinds of books, collections of his. Still my favorite comic strip. And in one of his uh, books, about his biography about him, it said that he owned an ice rink out in California. And every morning he would get up early and he'd go there and he'd, sit, and he'd sit up in the mezzanine with a cup of coffee and he would sit there with his secretary and he would go through his mail and he would dictate letters to people. And then in this book it said he sometimes he would even uh, do drawings for people. So At that time, I was a a general pediatrician, and starting when I was in uh, medical school, my great-great aunt Mamie, who was from Italy, and she spoke very broken English. She was one of my favorite great aunts, and she was a great seamstress. So she took some uh, Peanuts uh, children's bed sheets, and she made a white doctor's coat for me. Actually, she made two of them. So whenever I was on pediatrics, I would put on my Charlie Brown Peanuts lab coat, and I would go in and see kids. I think it immediately disarmed them. And so I, I took a picture of myself. And, and also on my stethoscope, on the diaphragm, the round part, I had a picture of Snoopy on that. So I took a picture of me with my stethoscope, with my Snoopy on it, and with my Charlie Brown lab coat. And I sent that to Charles Schultz with a note saying that I had all these books. And I loved his work. I was so appreciative of what he did. And I asked him for a, a drawing of Sally for my office. And I had no idea if he would respond or not. You know how those things go. And about a week later, I got a package in the mail. And inside of it was a short note that just said, Hey, Dr. Jordan or Dr. Tim, I'm so glad that you like my comic strips. Here's a little a little gift for you. He sent me an original four-panel cartoon that had been in the newspaper. But it was the original. I've got it in my office, hanging here. Um, and... It's one of my most prized possessions. On the top of it, it says, best wishes to, to uh, Dr. Tim Jordan. And he did not have to do that. He could have scribbled a little note. He could have scribbled a little picture of Sally. He's, he gave me a an original four-panel cartoon. About five years ago, my wife and I were uh, in between a father-daughter and a father-daughter Uh, Sun weekend retreats in California. So we decided to go up to Northern California. We saw John Muir Woods and on the way we stopped off at the Charles Schultz Museum and um, We were walking around we saw all these cartoons all these things. It was awesome I was in hog heaven and then there was someone who was working there who happened to be standing by me and I saw a a Four-panel cartoon where he had written a note on the top of it And I said to her, you know, I have one of these at home He sent to me I had sent him a letter and I told her the whole story and she said come with me, sir she took me to the back into this archive room where they had copies of every book and every language uh, that he had ever written. And she took my information because she said, sometimes, she said, we're looking for these things. He sent uh, he sent these out sometimes and we don't even know where they are. And occasionally we might want to use one of these for a show or something. So I gave her my information, and uh, which made that uh, cartoon feel even more important. But what was important to me, again, was the fact that, he didn't have to do that. He's, he was the most famous cartoonist in the world. And here he is, responding in his own penmanship, responding and sending me his cartoon. How, how cool was that? And how kind was that for him to take the time to do that? I bet everybody who's listening to this podcast right now could go back in your childhood. You probably have a story about some adult who made a difference for you who said the right thing at the right time, gave you a piece of advice, uh, was just there for you or listened, who, who understood who you were and treated you like you were somebody special. I think all of us have probably got stories of people like that. Sometimes it's our parents. Many times it's not. It's somebody outside the family even, a coach, a teacher, a college professor, a boss, somebody who stepped up when we needed um, some mentoring. And those are the kind of people that, if they're still alive, I encourage you to send a note of gratitude and let them know that what they did meant so much to you. I mentioned before, I also wrote in my book, She Leads, which is about how to raise a female leader. I talked about how we have this distorted view of leaders and heroes in our country that's so masculine dominated. When you ask kids who are the heroes in their life, they oftentimes mention soldiers and first responders and professional athletes, people like that. And, and most, most girls are never going to fit that mold, fit that role. Um, and so oftentimes they don't end up seeing themselves as being brave or being leaders or the hero type, if you will. And we don't spend enough time identifying and acknowledging people who are heroes in other ways. Like teachers, for instance, like doctors, like nurses, like social workers, like the people who clean their school building. There are so many people who are working hard and making a difference and being of service in so many ways, and we don't acknowledge them as being kind, brave, and heroic. And we need to do more of that so that our kids and our daughters can see that they have the ability to step up and lead in some way in their life, to start seeing themselves as leaders. I'm going to leave you with another story. This is another true story. And this one is about a hero who was a teacher. There's a little girl whose name was was Maria. And she was born with a cleft palate in a very poor country They had no health care, no doctors to fix it. So she grew up with a very distorted smile. She had a really hard time drinking liquids. And the kids at her school made fun of her And so she felt very ugly and and very lonely, very unloved. And then when she was in about third grade, a new teacher came to her school to teach her class. And this teacher was beautiful and she was loved by everyone. She was kind and caring. Maria kind of stayed in the back, stayed in the back of the class because she was afraid the teacher would not want to be near her because she was so, quote-unquote, ugly. Maria found it hard to trust anybody, including this new teacher, And she kind of was defensive, withdrawn. One day, all the kids in the class were assigned a project to write a story about themselves. And this little girl didn't want to write a story about her life, which wasn't very nice in her view. So she made up a brand new story about another girl who was born ugly and whom nobody liked and nobody would play with her. But in her story, an angel came to her one night in her dreams, in her sleep. And this angel bent over her and kissed her brow And when she awoke the next morning and she looked into the mirror, she saw that she had been transformed and she was beautiful. And she lived happily ever after. That was her story that she turned in. That night, as the teacher was reading all the kids' stories, she got to this little girl Maria's story. And as she read it, she cried so many tears because the story was so sad and so from the heart. The next day, she handed the stories back to the kids And Maria surprisingly found this message at the bottom of her page. Maria, I wish you were my little girl. And the words were a little bit smudged from the teacher's tears. From that day forward, Maria knew her dream had come true. Then Angel had really kissed her and she would never again be the same. That's what a hero can do for us. They can help us see each other or see ourselves instead in a a different light. Help us see ourselves in a higher light than we can see for ourselves. Heroes, mentors, anybody who steps up and can do that for a kid, to me, is a hero. Somebody who can see kids for who they really are, see through all their mischief, see through all their junk. I read a book years ago called The Souls Code by James Hillman. And he had a nice metaphor. He said, sometimes all we see with, with kids is, is they look like they're a little acorn. We can't see beyond that. And it's hard for us to see the oak tree that's going to come. But sometimes people can do that, like, like Maria's teacher, like Bobby Orr, like Stan Musial did for me. Sometimes someone can see through all of that and just see us for the, for the, for the person that we are. I hope your kids all have people who step up in their lives in that kind of way. Um, I'm sure it'll happen because it's happened to most of us. Send notes of gratitude to the people who have been there for you in that way. Let them know that they made a difference. Tell them how grateful you are for, for the words, for them being there, for their kindness. We need more kindness in this world, and we also need more gratitude. And we need more leaders and more heroes who are different than soldiers. Thank you so much for stopping by here every week. I really appreciate it. If you want to know more about my book, She Leads, just go to our website uh, at www.drtimjordan.com, or you can also find the book, She Leads, at any, at any bookstore, on Amazon, etc. I will be back here in a, in a week with another podcast, and I hope you, you spread the word. I hope you send these kinds of podcasts on to all your friends. Uh, the stories are fun to listen to. They've got a great point. And they're, hopefully it'll, it'll spread a little bit of joy and kindness of today. I'll see you back here.